On Thursday, November the 4th, 1971, I encountered the presence of God for the very first time in my life. It wasn't in a church service or it wasn't even at a conference. It was in a Denny's restaurant in Edmonton. This guy and I were sitting in a booth and he was sharing the gospel with me for the first time and Jesus came into the restaurant. Now, Jesus didn't come in physically. He wasn't dressed in a white robe of sandals and slid into the booth next to me, but his presence was real and powerful and tangible and I could experience it and I had never experienced that before in my life. I can't remember anything about the conversation but I will forever remember Jesus. He changed my life. He came in and I experienced the reality of his love, his peace, his joy, and his transforming power. And in a few moments, I was changed forever. That's why what I'm going to talk about you today, talk with you about today, I think is the most important thing in our lives. It's called the presence of God. And in his presence, my eyes were opened, I experienced, and my mind understood that Jesus Christ was beautiful, that he was powerful, and that he loved me. He was irresistible. And my heart opened to receive him and believe him. And that's the power of God's presence. And if you're here this morning, or maybe you might be listening on the internet, if you've never experienced the presence of God, Jesus is inviting you to do that this year. And maybe you've lost the presence of God somewhere. Somewhere in in your journey of faith, it's become religious and dutiful and rituals. Jesus is inviting you to come back to his presence this year. And if you're dry and thirsty, you have a wonderful opportunity to experience the powerful presence of Jesus in 2018. The greatest treasure of heaven and earth is the presence of God because with God's presence is everything God is. It's all his blessing, all his power, all his provision, all his healing, all his salvation, all his majesty, all his revelation. When we get in the presence of Jesus, everything changes. You cannot be the same. And everyone in this room today is desperate for the presence of God. In fact, everyone in our city is desperate for the presence of God. They just don't know it. But God knows it. Because we were created for his presence.
and nothing else will do. And that's what we're going to talk about here in Matthew chapter 18. If you're familiar with this chapter, it, it actually is a very interesting chapter because it's all about relationship. And Jesus begins by talking to his disciples about how you get into the kingdom of God. And who's the greatest in the kingdom? And he said, unless you become like a little child and you humble yourself, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and talks about offenses. You remember that? If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it out. It's a very, very profound warning from Jesus. And then he goes on and talks about when people sin against you. What do you do? And he talks about church discipline, when people won't listen and repent. And then he ends the chapter about the importance of forgiveness. So it's all about relational issues. But right in the middle, in verses 19 and 20, he says a profound and powerful thing about prayer and about his presence. Let's read this together. Verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I among them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your living and active and powerful word. And thank you for this incredible promise. And we're asking you to fulfill that promise today. That we might not just listen to a sermon. We would experience you in our midst. Amen. Jesus begins this, uh, this verse by telling us how important it is to gather together. Now, this is not so important to 21st century Canadian Christians. Did you know today that Christians, Canadian Christians consider Commitment to a church, coming together to a church service once a month, maybe twice a month. That's, that's being really committed to a church, not every week. And maybe or maybe not being part of a small group, connecting in community. And for sure, avoiding prayer meetings at all cost. But Jesus loves to gather with his people. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, verse 25, let us not neglect the gathering of ourselves together. We don't gather around preaching. Although preaching's good. We need to preach. We absolutely need to preach and teach the word of God. But Jesus doesn't say in this verse to gather around preaching. And we don't gather around singing. 
Singing's good, worship's good, praise is good, music is good. It's all wonderful. But Jesus didn't say to gather around singing. And we definitely, sorry, Kevin, we definitely do not gather around announcements or religious rituals or routine. Jesus says in this verse, we gather around a person. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. When Jesus says, in my name, he literally means gathering unto him, gathering to Jesus in his presence, meeting with Jesus, gathering under his functional lordship in our lives, gathering for his glory and for his purpose. You know, personal devotion, maybe it's not true for you, but I know it's true in my life. Personal devotion can become Bible reading, praying a list of prayers, and ticking a box. And missing meeting with a person. And that's why we have a Hearing God seminar. The Hearing God seminar is Gateway's absolute basic foundational course, which we would love every single person, even our children, to go through not just once or twice, but on a regular basis because we teach how to get into communion and the presence of God in deeper and deeper ways through hearing God. And the same with the set free. The set free retreat is meant to give us a spiritual boost and to remove the things that hinder his presence in our lives and to keep on growing deeper and deeper. We can never, ever come to the end of the presence of Jesus. And when we taste it, we don't want anything else. Nothing else will do. And that's why we have our Empower Ministers Retreat. It's to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit and to find out your ministry gift so you can serve in the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. Everything is geared towards being a people of His presence. And the scripture says here in verse 20, Jesus doesn't require many. Many says where... Two or three. I think that's so wonderful. Jesus doesn't say where two or three thousand are gathered or two or three hundred are gathered. He just has the basic smallest unit. He says, you know, if there's just a couple of you, I'll be there in your midst. I so want to meet with you. You know, preachers love big crowds. Is that right, Norm? We love big crowds. And some preachers won't preach if it isn't a big crowd. But not Jesus. Jesus said, you know, if there's just two of you, just three, just the basic number to be a little community, I'll be there. I'll be in your midst. And then Jesus makes this profound promise, which I think is the most profound promise in the whole of scriptures. He says, where two or three are gathered together. No. In my name. Let's say that together. Where two or three are gathered in my name. There am I 
in the midst. Wow. And I love the way the New American Standard Version puts it and the New King James Version. It just changes it a little bit, but it's profound. The New American and the New King James say this, where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The English Standard says, am I? But these other ones say, I am in the midst of them. I love the play on those words. For me, that's a powerful message. Jesus is referring to that story with Moses. You remember the the story of Moses on Mount Horeb, Exodus 3? Moses is out shepherding the sheep and he sees this bush on fire, which is the manifest presence of God. And it's not being consumed and he looks at it for a while. He's so curious, he wanders over and the scripture says, when God saw him wander over, God says to Moses, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. And Moses experienced the manifest presence of God. And God starts to tell him what he wants to do with his people. I'm going to bring them out of Israel and, or out of Egypt and into the promised land. And I want you, Moses, to go and to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, well, how can I do that? And God says to him, I will be with you. And Moses, that's not enough for Moses. Moses says, well, uh, you know, I, I, I still can't do it. I mean, what if they ask me, what's your name? And then God says this profound thing to him. He says, what shall I say your name is? God says, I am who I am. Say, I am has sent you. I am. Why didn't he say, tell them the God of the universe has sent you. Tell them the God who created heaven and earth has sent you. Tell them the God that can be a manifest in a burning bush of fire sent you. He could have told them so many things, but he doesn't. He says, tell them, I am sent you. I am. I am that I am. I am the eternal God who always was and always is and always is to be. Tell them, I am Yahweh, the creator God, sent you. The God whose hand spans the universe, Isaiah says, and who counts the trillions times trillions of stars in billions of galaxies and calls them all by name. And he knows the number of hairs on each of our heads today. Tell them that God sent you. The one who upholds and sustains all things. I am has sent you. Literally, it means, I am that I am. I will be there howsoever I will be there. I am whatever you need me to be whenever you need me to be it. 
There was a rabbinical teaching of the day where two or three were gathered together to read the Torah. God's Shekinah glory, his manifest presence in glory would be among them. And that's what Jesus is referring to. When he says where two or three are gathered together, not for the Torah, in my name, I am is in your midst. And when I am is in your midst, every need is met. I am here for healing. I am here for provision. I am here for restoration. I am here for salvation. When Jesus is in our midst, Everything changes. God, the great I am, is here. When Jesus says, I am there in the midst of them, he's not talking about his omnipresence, which is God everywhere, all the time, present in a general sense. He's talking about God's manifest presence, his obvious Evident, noticeable, palpable present. We can taste him, touch him. He's so real. God's manifest presence is where God's person is manifest. It's displayed, it's demonstrated here and now in our midst in a tangible and experiential way. You know, this is great news for millennials. How many of you are millennials here today? No one knows what a millennial is. Okay, we'll leave that with your pastors to tell you. Make sure you, uh, you know what you are. Millennials love to experience things. And I believe we're going to see one of the greatest visitations of God's presence among the millennial generation. That's our young people, under 30s. Because that's who God is. He's not just a God for our mind. He is. He renews our mind. We can think about him. We need to think about him. We need to exercise our understanding about him. But he's also a God of our affections. He's a God of our feelings. And that's his manifest presence. Several years ago in, the, uh, in England, I was at a conference of our salt and light leaders There was about 80 of us in this facility outside of London. And we were having a time of worship. And during the worship service, or the the worship time, one one of the guys began to prophesy. The music kind of lowered, and this guy began to prophesy. And he said, get low, get low, get low. The sword of the Lord is coming across my people. And when he said that, God came into the room. It was profound. We were worshiping and the general sense of God's presence was there. But when he prophesied that, something changed in the atmosphere. God came in the room. And without saying a thing, without any pastor opening his mouth to the leader of the meeting, directing things... Everyone got down on their knees and stretched out on the floor and just lay there. No one said anything or did anything because his presence was there. It was, it was powerful. 
And people's hearts were changed. And that, that, that word about humility began to be knit into people's hearts. It was, it was, it was a very profound moment. We had a similar moment less than two years ago in our other building where our boardroom was. And our boardroom in the other building is where the elders used to meet. And we were meeting in there on a Thursday. And we had to come to unity about this new facility in West St. Paul, and we weren't in unity. We were at a, on opposing camps. And we had three days, two days, to get into unity before our leaders meeting to tell them what the Lord was saying to us. So here we had this desperate, last-minute ditch meeting, and we're in this room, we prayed, and then we started arguing. Heather probably heard us in the other room. It was heated. Now, the good thing is we love one another, and, and we work through those things just like you do in a good marriage. But we were, we were doing this, yelling. And, and then Jesus came in the room. I don't even know why he would come. We were gathered together in his name, so he was committed to that. But we weren't in unity. And we were arguing. But suddenly the atmosphere in the room changed. And we all stopped. And then I burst into tears. From this to bursting into tears. I mean, weeping, loud, ugly, messy. And others started weeping. And we fell to our knees and just wept and wept and wept because he was there in our midst manifest. And then after, I don't know how long it was, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, it's like his presence lifted and we weren't the same people. We were united. God had done something in his presence coming. Our hearts were knit together. We saw the vision for what he wanted to do, not what we wanted to do. And we went out of that presence totally different than we had gone in. That is the manifest presence of God. And that's what every single one of you long for. That's why we signed up. We didn't sign up to follow Jesus so we could get all our doctrine straight, although we need our doctrine straight. We need to have right doctrine. It wasn't just to come to church and sing a bunch of songs and listen to the word and slap one another on the back and then leave in an unchanged way. No, we came because we're people of his presence. We want him. We want his presence in our lives and in our midst. And when his presence is there, everything changes. That's what the world is looking for. You know, when you, if you read anything about revivals, what is a revival? 
a revival. I'm going to tell you what a revival is because you don't seem to know. A revival is his presence. We had one in Winnipeg, in Zion Apostolic Church in the early 1900s. God came and visited that church and his presence was so powerful. People would line up in 25 below all around the block just waiting to get into his presence. That's how much people crave the presence of God. And the Bible tells us that you and I host his presence. We carry his presence. His spirit lives within us. We all have the potential and capacity to carry that atmosphere with us. And when we gather together, just a couple of us, in his name, unto him, he promised, I'll manifest my presence among you. How is Jesus among us? John 16, Jesus said this, I tell you it's to your advantage I go away because if I don't go away, he won't come. And he was referring to the Holy Spirit. But he said, if I go, I'll send him to you. And so he poured out the Holy Spirit who carries the presence of Jesus. And he can be everywhere all the time in manifest presence because he's the Spirit. He's not just the man, Christ Jesus. And when we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. We become a temple, a house of God. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, you have opportunity right early in the beginning of this year to open your life up to Jesus and to have his spirit come and dwell and live inside of you. But that's not the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God isn't the Holy Spirit in us. The manifest presence of God is the Holy Spirit upon us. And when he comes upon us, God's power is manifest. It's been 46 years since I first entered the presence of God in that Denny's restaurant. I've discovered a few things about the presence of God. I want to leave them with you this morning. The first one is, everybody has as much of Jesus as they want. If you want more of Jesus' presence in your life, you have to either be hungry or intentional. If you're hungry, that hunger will drive you to seek him and find him. He promised, if you seek me with all your heart. But if you're not hungry, what do you do? You're intentional. You be intentional. And you seek the Lord. And you spend time with the Lord. James 4 verse 8 says this, Draw near to God and 
He will draw near to you. He's just waiting. If you make one step in his direction, he makes a million steps to us. And so if we're intentional, we'll find him. And that intentionality and finding him leads to more hunger and hunger leads to more intentionality and then you have this beautiful cycle. You can't get enough of him. You know, prayer and fasting is a great week for us to be intentional. And we often are very intentional about not eating, but not so intentional about meeting. And this year, I felt the Lord really challenge me. Say, look, don't just go without food. Don't just have a 10-day diet and go about all your schedule. I want you to seek me. I said, Lord, I want that. I, I want to be hungry. I felt the Lord challenge me to get up really early, 5.30 to 8.30 every morning. And I thought, that's dangerous. But if the Lord asks us to do something, he gives us the grace to do it. And I am so enjoying it. So I, I want to encourage you this week. If you haven't been so intentional about seeking the Lord, I want to encourage you, ask him. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What would you like me to do? It might be 15 minutes. It might be, it might be an hour and a half or two hours or whatever. But whatever he says... If we'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. And then the second one is being honest. Being hungry, being honest. If you have to be, you have to be honest about where your heart is at if you're going to meet and experience God's presence. Hebrews 10 verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart. Jesus won't deal with phoniness. He won't fellowship with phoniness. We, we have to really be honest about where we are. He just wants that honest intimacy with him. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the truth. He is reality. Getting in touch with what's really going on in our hearts. I believe that's a word for somebody here today. Let him get you in touch with what's really going on in your heart. And I didn't realize how distracted I am. And you know my biggest distraction? That is my biggest distraction because my Bible's on here. My Bible reading program is on here. And so I'll be reading my Bible and then I'll get a thought. Uh, oh yeah, I should probably just contact Norm and Aaron and let them know. So It's so easy to flip over to your, your app and I type in and then something else comes up and then I put it down and then it goes bzz, bzz. Well, I pick it up and find out what's, what's going on. This is such a huge distraction. And I felt like the Lord said, well, put it away. Let's be face to face 
without your phone in the middle. And you know what? It's only been week one. (laughs) It's only week one. But I'm excited because I can sit there and enjoy the Lord and my phone could go and I'm not going to it. He's enabled me. Even his presence is enabling me not to be distracted. But I had to be honest. Mary told me this about my phone being a distraction. She's told me for a long time. But, you know, it's just your wife telling you that. Like, what does she know, right? The third and last thing is honoring. Honoring. Honor God with, first of all, gratitude. We honor God with gratitude. Ephesians 5, verse 20, 18 to 20 says, Don't get drunk with wine. None of you would... That would not be a temptation for you. Don't get drunk with wine, but be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, His Son. Gratitude is so profound and powerful. Thankfulness honors God because he's the source of everything. And it's the atmosphere of increase. What we give thanks for and what we're grateful for, there's a multiplication of our capacity for God. God loves to dwell with a grateful heart. And we reconnect with God through gratitude. Grumbling and complaining and negativity grieve the Holy Spirit and shrivel the presence of God But anything we give thanks for increases our capacity for him. Honoring God through gratitude, that's one of the most precious ways of experiencing his manifest presence. And then lastly, not only do we honor God, we honor one another. Romans 10 verse 12 says, or 12 verse 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. When we celebrate each person, Without jealousy or envy or competitive selfishness, the Holy Spirit loves to be in that kind of atmosphere. When we value people without stumbling over who they're not, when we maintain relational unity, the Holy Spirit loves to be in that environment. Mary and I returned from Charlotte, North Carolina last week, and uh, we flew and one of the problems I have is airports. I, I hurry through airports, and I'm a very fast walker. It's just one of the gifts that I got, which is a curse to most other people. <laughs> and Mary's always saying to me, slow down, slow down. You're always in a race. So she's she talked to me for years about it, and so... I'm convicted about it and I ask the Holy Spirit, as soon as we drive up to the airport, I say, Holy Spirit, help me not to be tempted to rush and hurry. Anyhow, I I think I'm getting better. The Lord knows for sure. (laughs) Anyway, coming back, we landed in Toronto and we had to go through immigration. That's always a big temptation because there's lineups, right? 
So I found myself just going a little, just a little faster. And Mary says to me as we're walking along the hallway, uh, Ron, you're speeding up. You're really walking fast. I said, no, I'm not actually. You know what? This is really fast walking for me. And I pulled ahead. I said, see, so we're not walking very fast. Anyhow, she didn't say anything. We walked on to the immigration. That night when I went to bed, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you know that reaction you had in the airport? That was arrogant, was defensive. You didn't have to do that. All you had to do was say, you're right, dear. I'm sorry. Let's go together. Because the Holy Spirit loves it when we honor one another. And we can't let these things get in our midst because Jesus promised so powerfully if there's just two or three and you're in my name, I am is in your midst. 